quite a lot. So I'm really oh. happy that you that oh, you're able to you. come in. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem at all. No problem at all. So uh, yeah, no, no. Thank you uh, for for the opportunity. It uh, sounds sounds interesting, Alan. Uh, I think um, I should be the one saying thanks. The opportunity is actually all mine. So how have you been? How's life been after MasterChef? Yeah, yeah, really good, thank you. So um, it's uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, a lot. Um, so it's like because obviously the the filming happened a few months ago now. Um, you we sort of had then the lull, and then you've had the high again. So it's yeah. uh, it's really interesting in terms of in terms of the emotions and uh, I'm reliving it as well. So uh, it's uh, it's been it's been quite a a roller coaster, I must admit. So uh, just uh, yeah, no. So it's uh, just exciting that this moment in time, there's things happening um, uh, th- that are exciting, but I can't really go into them at this moment in time. I can imagine. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's all it's all good, and like just a really positive reaction, which is which has been really great. And um, I think from the MasterChef experience, not only just like pushing myself in terms of food, but actually. I've um, you know made some really good friends from it as well, so it's been it's been absolutely awesome. Yeah, were you aware of the results before they were published, or uh, so no? So um, so obviously we um, uh, the point that you get eliminated is the point that you cease to be in the competition. So from that point, you don't know um, any other further results. So um, finding out that Eddie was champion actually happened on the night that Eddie became champion so oh, okay. uh, it was really awesome um I um it, um interestingly he also spent then because he, he was doing um interviews with the BBC that Friday him and his uh I live in Salford so uh him and his oh, okay. uh, fiance stayed over here on that Friday night so uh so that was lovely uh, um yeah it's great experience really good experience yeah I mean the last season has been amazing to watch and yeah. Um, one of the judges made the point as well. You can see the talent growing every Definitely. series, and like genuinely, the last season has been—it's been a bit of a nail biter like, yeah, watching definitely. it happen. And the thing is, like, it was just like it could be a small mistake, or there could be something that doesn't happen right on the day, and that—that's it. The talent was so strong this year. Um, it was, um, you know, it was a—it was a tight contest. Um, I think one thing that i would say about eddie in particular was he was mr consistent so there wasn't any rounds that he he underperformed he always performed which was um you know key to his success and obviously his his love of french cuisine mixed with that sort of indian uh spice heritage as well um and understanding those spices as well what would go with uh with traditional sort of French cookery as well was uh, was you know a winning formula yeah I think that's been something that's really interesting to watch throughout the series where yeah. it's not just one sort of uh, traditional cookery so it's not been French or Italian but there's been a real marrying of different uh, cuisines together and people so. have been doing it so perfectly as well yeah I think I think that you know there was obviously you know if you look at the particularly the final five um so so you look at eddie with his mix um and then you look at rada who was bringing indian cuisine but really homing in on terms of vegetarian 
Um, you've got Pookie, who's got an amazing fusion of her Thai heritage, but also her, her heritage being chi half Chinese as well. So uh, it was a great mix there. Uh, and then both Sarah and I um, sort of really focused and homing in on um, cuisine and food and, and, and ingredients that are you know, special to us from our home countries. So mine being Wales, then Sarah being Scotland. Um, I would say like my style of cookery, cookery is, um, is med very Mediterranean based. Um, that's what I tend to enjoy eating. Um, so, um, but with that sort of twist and, and also bringing, uh, bringing some Welsh heritage back in. So whether that's cooking lamb and making sure actually when I cook lamb it wasn't a traditional sort of joint that I used it was rump which you know in the 1980s was uh you know in vogue and actually it's those sort of bits of um sort of the less sexy now joints of of of, of animals is why I, I wanted to use and showcase as well because it's a point of difference uh, yeah. Interestingly, John, when I was cooking rum, John actually came over to me and he said, when I first opened my restaurant in London, um, I think it was towards the back end of the 80s, he said rump was always on the menu, uh, lamb rump was always on the menu. So that, you know, it shows that obviously, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Um, almost like... Um, you know, uh, history repeats itself, and uh, and these types of joints are coming back into vogue because um, they're slightly cheaper um, quite often. And obviously, with the cost of living crisis, you know, people will choose certain cuts of meat now. Um, yeah, and including things like offal as well. So um, it's it's just interesting, obviously, how tastes are changing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Actually, do you think there's a bit more of a push towards? Um, nose to tail eating so have you been hearing that quite a lot yeah um, yeah I have now? yeah so it, it's definitely a so I, th I think it probably homes for me this homes in on in terms of uh, both sides of my family were, were farmers um, uh, my father worked um, in the National Farmers Union as well so very closely related to the farming community my brother has actually come out of the RAF and I, I alluded to this uh, during the Royal British Legion section within MasterChef. And um, one thing that, that he's done is um, he's um, he started to do the uh, fork to plate. So again, like, uh, uh, sorry, the, the fuel to the plate. So a lot of his produce is made on, on the farm. And, and again, it's that sort of, you know, knowing where your produce is made and, and, and where it's come from is really important. Even though we live in a um, an urban environment, actually, we've got the likes of lettuces growing, we've got radishes, we've got beetroot, um, we've got uh, edible flowers, we've got herbs. So we've got all that in our little tiny yard, which, okay. you know, this, this lunchtime, just going down there and just picking some lettuce and having some lettuce with some fresh tomato, um, you know, it's just something really nice and special and it tastes so much better. So I think it's really important to understand that. I think the other important aspect in terms of food, particularly if you're looking at cost of living crisis, is how to really maximum and uh, maximise your ingredients. So, you know, where 
potentially there was, um, you know, potentially people could potentially be wasting stuff is can you use it towards a stock in a soup or um, can you actually go out and about? And I do, a, a, you might have seen on my Instagram that I do quite a bit of foraging and I li like doing that. I like exploring and, and, and knowing a little bit more about nature and what's important. And of course, these are either ingredients that we would have normally chucked away or yeah. ingredients that actually, you know, you, you, you can go and forage and they're free of charge. So there's all different sorts of ways to actually save money. Um, so it's um, it's obviously just a, uh, you know, it's it's about education uh, and also yeah. trying things and, uh, you know, and, and trying different things. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a journey at this moment in time. But I think people are becoming more interested in terms of really maximising um you know food um uh, uh, as a population so is that something that you kind of grew up doing foraging or is that something you've recently got into uh it's probably How did that journey uh, start i think it was during lockdown actually uh, just being a little bit more I, I think a lot of people obviously embrace nature um a little bit more and um I just started reading um, about more sort of what's around me and w w what can I utilize within my recipes. Um, and you'd start off on simple things. So it could be, let's say, blackberries or, or wild garlic or something like that. And just like really experimenting on those simple things that are actually freely available. Um, and just grow your knowledge and, and use different things. So, for instance, I've just made a... Um, so we we had the other day a um, nettle um, asparagus shavings and um, and pea soup. So you know, really inexpensive, but lasted us a couple of days. On something that's actually quite tasty, vibrant, and spring. So it's um, yeah, it's just experimenting and, and and knowing and understanding and and educating yourself around what's what's around and what type of produce is around. Okay, yeah, that sounds quite interesting. Um, it's Foraging is something I've been wanting to um, try out for a while, um, particularly wild garlic, because yeah. um, you see it being used quite a lot um, yes. in cuisines and stuff. So mainly just I just want to see what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little bit stronger than normal garlic if, uh, it, it, and particularly towards obviously the end of the, it's coming to the end of the season now. So get out there, Alan. Uh, <laughs> and, okay. But you, you, you'll generally find it in, um, you know, wooded environments, maybe with a lot of moisture. Um, so, again, just try and utilise it. Things like pestos are really easy to make or just mix it into, you know, some, um, you know, either soups or you could mix it into um, pastas and things like that. So it's just so versatile, but um, it's understanding um, when things are in season and when's best to pick as well. So, um so I purchased um, last year a book called The Forager's Calendar, uh, which was really handy in terms of just really highlighting when things are in season in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of British, um, you know, w wild ingredients and then just trial. You might like it, you might not like it. And uh, it's just that it's just that trial and error, isn't it? And, uh, you know, that's what cooking's around. Cooking's around for me is around love and understanding your produce. But a lot of it can fail um and it's okay to fail yeah i mean uh, it's something i love doing it's almost uh, therapeutic for me yeah definitely um and i have no problem spending like a couple of hours after work making something you know um yeah. so it's always been fun for me 
Um, so where does this passion for food for you come from? Because obviously um, you chose to enter MasterChef this yeah. year. Yeah. And what was your kind of drive and motivation to do it this year as opposed to uh, the last years or like next year? Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me this year was um, we just had, you know, two years of really dire, you know, a pretty dire consequence of COVID that we were all locked up and uh, there was nothing to do. And I think um, so. So my job. Um, in the first lockdown, I was furloughed for six weeks, and then the second one, I wasn't. Um, but my job, um, it was tough. It was really hard. Uh, and I felt that potentially I'd lost a little bit of my mojo. Um, I'm a um, social person, good networker, like to talk to people and understand people. And, you know, when that's taken away from when we had the pandemic, it was hard. It was hard for me then to click back into my own self so it was a little bit more obviously I wanted to test myself in terms of my cooking ability but also like important in terms of my mental health as well that I could yeah. do something and actually find myself again and you know it is daunting and the process the application process is a long process we you uh you do your application and obviously you people can people can apply for next year's MasterChef now um, you can do your application and I think I was waiting uh, I didn't hear back for about three four months because I did okay. mine straight after the f the final when Tom won it last year and I didn't hear anything back and I was in the gym and I had this weird phone call come through and I was like hello <laughs> just from this very random number and it was MasterChef calling and they they, they, they wanted to talk about my um you know, my cooking and my understanding of cooking, my love for cooking, which was really good. And then I didn't hear anything for a little while. And then uh, I was invited for uh, an interview in Manchester. So uh, so that was really funny for a little bit daunting, to be fair. Um, and, you know, what was really important is you be yourself because that's what they want. They obviously want to see cooking ability, but also they want those personalities on screen and they want people to be genuine and authentic. Um, and during that process, you know, it was really important to obviously portray that. Um, I'm a talkative person. Didn't always come across like that on the screen because uh, actually when I was in the kitchen, I was so focused. Um, but interestingly, like in the green room, me and Eddie were like, kids <laughs> um, but there's different personalities uh, so some people will be quite studious and some people want to be getting into a zone uh, but for me like a little bit of humor a little bit of mucking around was the bit that actually I could relax and chill out um, but yeah it's uh, in terms of you know obviously my 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 love of food was the most important element but there was bits that I have taken from the MasterChef experience, which I wasn't expecting. So, for instance, um, building really lovely friendships from it. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Um, uh, building outside my own sort of comfort zone as well. Like, um, you know, obviously I have work colleagues, absolutely cool. I've got my friends who are predominantly gay men. Um, and, and then get chucked into the MasterChef where there was all sorts of different people. And for me, it was just that 
that building of uh, lovely friendships from this has been the bit that I didn't think would happen, but is probably the most exciting and the bit that I'm really enjoying. Can we expect to see future collaborations with them? Uh, um, uh, there, there is one already done, uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, which will be uh, coming out pretty soon, I would have thought. Um, so that's okay. that's real fun. Um, and who knows? There's 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 other things. Uh, we, we are very good friends, and uh, hopefully there'll be other uh, collaborations coming soon. Um, because I I think actually that's what people who watched MasterChef this year have liked. That actually when they look at our social media, for instance, they know that actually we are connected. Um, and I think that's a real positive coming out of that. Um, uh, and, and you know, I've had so many people going, you know, you and Pookie need a series together, blah blah blah, because we just spark off each other. And it's the same with the likes of Eddie, you know, we just spark off each other, and it, it's just so nice. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, just like you said, the friendship that you guys have kind of maintained and built during the series. Um, for anyone who follows you on social media, it's really apparent. Yeah. And it does come across extremely genuine as well. So Definitely. that's that's actually amazing to see. Definitely. And, we, sorry, we, we all had each other's backs, um, particularly the last, you know, final five. We all had each other's backs. It's a tough situation to be part of. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine that first round where I did the Tom Daly dash in, in the final, um, it, it, in effect, there was three contestants there that something went either wrong or didn't work out. Um, so. Obviously, with mine, it was um, my, um, I thought I'd rested my beef. I'd rested my beef for actually 20 minutes. Um, and I thought I'd rested it enough, but obviously not enough. Uh, and yeah. the blood ran out actually on Greg's dish rather than John's, um, which was a shame. So there's a technical issue that there. Um, and in terms of flavorings, yeah, I should have ramped it up a little bit. Pookie's dish was an amazing dish, but um, <clears throat> what she had done is accidentally put the um, the pan, uh, <clears throat> the, fr uh, oh, the, yes. the baking sheet on the induction hob, and the induction hob was still on, so it connected, and then and then basically cooked the fish yeah, more than she wanted. I remember seeing that, which was really unfortunate. And you know, the rest of her dish was absolutely superb and actually really superb dish. And then of course Sarah's. Um, consummate didn't clarify, you know, clarify. So, uh, you know, there's these small errors, uh, and it was a tight situation. I, I sort of knew in the back of my head, I, I, I was gone at that point. I, I knew it in my back of my head, and I hadn't had that feeling um, throughout the competition. But I sort of knew there was, uh, I had fundamentally uh, mucked up. Um, uh, do I regret it? No. Uh, because actually, for me, as I mentioned before, like trial and error is something that's really important, and sometimes it, it can work and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but just to try and push myself to do something slightly different, and I yeah. always like to have twists within my food. My twist was I wanted to take a, a British classic, in effect, uh, you know, not a roast dinner per se, but you know, something a little bit more elevated than roast dinner, but make it Japanese to really hit that brief uh, and hitting briefs was really important for me I never sh shoehorned 
a dish that I can do into a brief. I always thought about it and recreated or made a new dish, which takes a lot of time and you need to understand cookery and you need to be able to to put things together, which is which is really important. Um, but yeah, you know, that last final five was tight, really tight. Um, but as I said, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Mr. Scott, you know, he, he was throughout the competition, you know, nailing the dishes, nailing them. Yeah. Is that is that difficult then? Because obviously throughout the series, you guys are building a friendship, but then yeah. um, you're also going into competition with them. So Absolutely. does that make things uh, a bit emotionally challenging sometimes? Or I think um, so when you're in the kitchen, like for me, I, I just zoned into what I needed to do in the kitchen. It's a competition um, and, um, you know, it's a competition. So, you know, you almost have to not, you know, you put your not your friendships on hold or anything like that because you still got those friendships. See, even when you're cooking in the kitchen, you want to make sure that other contestants are fine and you know are, are dealing with the situation. So there's a lot of dialogue that happens that you you won't see on screen most of the time because you want to make sure that your fellow contestants are are fine and you're doing fine. And actually, Eddie and I used to just have little chit chats now and again, you know, making sure that we're fine. We're generally on the okay. uh, an opposite uh, workstation, so do that um but it's um yeah no it's a competition in the end of the day and you just want to do it as well as you can possibly do but you can't influence other people uh yeah. you can only influence and and you can only um you can only nail down your own dish in the end of the day you want you want other you know your other competitors to do as well as they could possibly do um but you know it's up to you to to nail your own dish Oh, that's brilliant. Do you think that you are a competitive person? Do you have that kind of drive and edge to uh, you? <clears throat> yes. So uh, I would say so. I, I, I am competitive, probably become less competitive the older I get. Um, but I am still a competitive person. I still want to strive for the best result um, because that's really important to me in terms of my own my own self, my own self-esteem, uh, I think it's really important. Um, so, yeah, I would say I, I am competitive, but I, I, a fair competitor, always a fair yeah. competitor. <laughs> um, you touched upon your last dish um, where you were inspired by Tom Daly. Yeah. So is that someone that you look up to quite a lot? Because you mentioned it in the, um, in, on the show where you yeah. said yeah. that obviously he got the gold after having tried for a while. So you touched upon it before as well, where you kept going, where you said about trial and error. Mm -hmm. So is that someone that you kind of aspire towards? Yeah, it's a bit twofold with Tom Bailey. So, so yeah, so fourth Olympics, he gets gold uh, and he's tried so hard to achieve that best and be the best in, in the world. But it takes time, doesn't it? And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of passion and it takes a lot of skill and ability. Um, and I've seen my food journey like that. And I wanted to, that's why I wanted to put my, um, you know, experience and um, my ability on the biggest show that we have in the UK for food um, and test myself. Um, I think that was really important. So I'd say that sort of goes hand in hand. Um, the second element is around 
um, him being a role model and advocate within the LGBTQ plus um, community, which is really important. So, um, so in work, um, I'm part of our inclusion and diversity network. Um, I'm part of our task force on LGBTQ plus um, matters. Um, so actually in June, we're doing a big pride month within work. Things like that, advocacy and, and education as well is really important because we're moving on as a society and we're, we're changing, which is good. But there are still, you know, issues. We, we just seen yesterday, you know, the first, uh, you know, out, outwardly gay um, footballer come out. And what, yeah, a brave, I, what a brave thing to do. Yeah, I saw that in the news today. Yeah, yeah, that's um, definitely a step towards in the right direction. 100%. 100%. It's, you know, for me to be able to talk on MasterChef about my sexuality, you know, having a partner who's a boyfriend, who's my boyfriend, John, uh, to talking around LGBTQ plus, to, you know, that's really important. So I want to, for me, doing that inspiration dish was probably the most important dish within my MasterChef journey, because actually... It's it's talking about me as a person, as well as obviously my inspiration being Tom Daly. Um, so it was really important for me to go uh, and do that. Uh, and actually, if if you look through the dish, there was little nods to a lot of things. So I used golden beetroots because of the gold medal that was won in in um, in Japan. I used rainbow carrots because of the LGBTQ plus. So there's a lot of nods to different things that I wanted to actually bring across in terms of that menu, as well as having that overall Japanese look and feel. That's amazing. Content. So there was a lot of thought that I put in. Initially, I thought about doing rainbow trout, but uh, <laughs> I'd already done a couple of fish dishes. I thought, no, I've not done beef. I'm going to hit beef. <laughs> That's amazing. I hadn't, I hadn't clocked it until you just said it. There's a, a, within my cookery, I tried to do little twists and they might be like underlying things that people don't really know that are happening. But it's just that, that little bit more thought about what a dish looks like and why, why, what does it mean to you? So is that something that you've kind of um, ex experimented more with through MasterChef? Yeah. Because um, I remember the critics round where you made the spoon and the um, cotton candy. I yes. thought I thought that was that was absolutely amazing to watch. Absolutely. So for that, um, my my favourite um, cocktails in espresso martini. I wanted to bring a little bit of theatre um, to to that dish. So I wanted something like really interactive and really playful when 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 doing that. And actually, when I read Jimmy's brief my mind was going everywhere. I didn't know where to concentrate. And actually it was probably going to be a dessert. Um, and I just wanted, I wanted an element of, I work within the booze industry, the drink industry, and I wanted a, a real element in terms of, for me, the reason that you go out to a pub and a bar and have that uh, cocktail is for that experience rather than, you, cause you can make a cocktail at home, but you don't have that same experience. And for me, I wanted to bring that experience on a plate. Um, and, um, you know, the, 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 the comments from, from that dish were absolutely amazing that John said he would pay for it in a restaurant. Um, 
that, you know, Jimmy said that I'd absolutely nailed the brief um, was really important. Like, they, you know, that was probably one of the happiest moments within MasterChef uh, because I knew from that point that actually I'd proved myself. Because uh, the first dish for me, even though I went through straight away, I wasn't satisfied with it. Um, yeah. I wasn't satisfied with the execution of it because John, my partner, had already said, um, be careful the size of your parmesan crisp, uh, your leaf. Uh, and I went, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got into the master chef kitchen and I went, you know, in my head, I went, balls this, I'm going to make it twice the size. <laughs> so, so that's what you yeah, got was a twice the size parmesan twist, uh, leaf. That was obviously a comment from, from, from uh from Greg saying it's the size of Dumbo's ear, which uh, went a bit viral. Um uh so it was, you know, it just things like that, you know, it's that pressure of that master chef environment that you can do those small, silly mistakes. And I had in my back of my, my my mind, I'm cooking again. I knew it was a really good dish, it's a good tasting dish, but the comments were, you know, obviously the size proportions and stuff like that. And you don't know who how else anyone else has performed yeah. so I had in the back of my mind I'm cooking again I'm cooking again uh and thankfully I didn't and actually I cooked so the dessert that I was going to do I cooked that for Eddie uh when he came over so um so you <laughs> actually had the dessert that never happened in, in MasterChef so uh so it's a, a, a limoncello um a limoncello uh tartlet with Italian meringue and lemon verbena and um, black currant. So it's it's quite a cool little dessert, very Italian based, obviously with limoncello. But again, utilizing drink and really homing in on that sort of adult flavor. Okay, what what was the feeling that you had when you first got that um, apron in the first round? Um, <clears throat> delight, you know, I I. I looked at every sort of round as just that round. I wasn't looking too far ahead because I don't think that's healthy in that style of competition. Um, so to get an apron um, was fantastic. Uh, and not being able to cook again um, actually meant I had some free time. I, I, I've never, re I worked down in London a lot, but I never do the touristy thing. So I, w I went to the Tower of London because I, I've never done it before. <laughs> I thought, I've got some spare time now. So oh, off I popped. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really good. Um, but it's, um, yeah, to get that apron uh, was that first step. Uh, and it was rightly important because actually it made you feel obviously part of the competition then. But also it makes you believe in yourself. Uh, and then, you know, you, and then obviously the further you go, you know, when the first of the semifinals, when you did that, you know, we had the restaurant experience in, in the MasterChef kitchen and you put on your chef whites. It's a different feeling than putting on your apron. I actually prefer the apron, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, but then, you know, cooking for a Glimpernel, again, a totally different feeling than the last round. So it just builds in terms of intensity, in terms of, pressure and um and a little bit stressed but not too much stress i never felt stressed in the kitchen i always felt in in the zone and in control um but there's a lot of pressure to 
the briefs start to get shorter and shorter in terms of the turnaround. A lot of the practice, you just can't get in because you're either in work or you're in the MasterChef kitchen. It's, you know, it becomes a shorter, shorter t- oh, turnaround. Okay. So it becomes more and more intense and more and more difficult. Uh, and oh. that's the purpose of of the um, of the competition is to push people. OK, is that quite a lot of um, kind of practice and prep that you did before entering the show? Because obviously um, there's quite a lot of techniques and elements that you do end up now having to get almost have nailed down, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so interestingly, I sort of regret this in a little bit. I, I sort of was probably unprepared. I always had a plan. I always knew a plan and what I needed to do. But actually, all the dishes I did on the show, apart from my signature dish, I had, um, you know, I practiced at home, but these were new dishes that okay. I I created for MasterChef. I never, you, and, and that was important to me because actually it makes me push myself in terms of my thinking. Um, I would say um, within within it, I, I mentioned about planning. So I think some of the like really important things is to actually nail what's the right plan for you in terms of tackling in the MasterChef kitchen. You've got a finite amount of time. Um, how are you going to tackle it? And so for me, it was all, I, 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 within my job, I do a lot of project management and it was really homing in in terms of making sure my schedules were, were right, uh, timings were right, um, even to like a plating guide. How is this going to look when I plate it up? Um, and people do it differently. So, for instance, Pookie had her her guide and she had taken a picture of what that looks like on the plate because, it again, it's about that visualisation because you want to perform and you want it to look the way that you want it to look. Um, planning is, is a key element to MasterChef uh, and getting that time in. There's very late nights. Uh, you don't sleep during the process very well. Uh, it's... Uh, You'll see the, the, the further, well, actually, the last episode, I look unwell, <laughs> really unwell, bags under the eyes and looking shattered because it, it takes it out of you. you. You are constantly doing something and it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's, it's stressful. It's stressful. It's, uh, it's hard work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can completely imagine, um, obviously, and the further you go on in the competition, the more um, tight it becomes, uh, like you said. Uh, any small error can end it there so yeah definitely ma- make sure that everything is going uh, really well 100% you know you you want to perform but you know you know we're all human in the end in, in the end of the day and we all do mistakes but you learn from the mistakes but obviously in MasterChef that mistake could cost you the position in the competition so um you know it's 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 hard yeah it's hard i mean the invention test for instance there was two invention invention tests this year first one um which was my clam one um and that inspiration came from me and my uh my best friend went about uh seven eight years ago to california and we went to san francisco and i always remember having a clam chowder on the pier in san francisco and I wanted to do something. When I saw the clams, I was like, I knew exactly what I was going to do with them. Uh, even though I never cooked a clam chowder before, I, I, I knew the fundamentals of what goes into it. And I wanted to do actually that's something that came from my heart. Second invention test. Um, 
is actually, you know, the 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 bean sort of cassoulet is something that we would have here uh, at night um, with the protein. Um, with the invention test, you just need to make sure that you're pushing yourself enough and showing off enough technique. So then on that cassoulet, it's doing a, a mayonnaise to go with the patata bravas. Um, you know, doing some fried shallots and things like that because you want to elevate your dish as much as possible and show as much technique. But they're they're a difficult proposition. But again, planning comes into it. So you take your ingredients and do a plan, or do a plan first off and then go and look at the ingredients. Most probably, do your plan after you've picked your ingredients because that makes more sense. Um, but a plan and and in terms of what this is going to look like and what you're going to put in is vitally important. Okay, yeah. Um, you talked quite a bit about uh, growing up. Your uh, both your grandmas were yeah. quite a big inspiration. Yes. Right. Can you like talk a bit more about that? Into just kind of obviously, it's quite clear that they've influenced you um, quite a bit. So yeah. what was that like growing up, helping out in the kitchen and things <clears throat> like? So th- th- yeah, so they both um, lived on farms. Um, so for for me you know, growing up and we actually lived for uh, the first six, seven years of my life right next to one of my grands next door to to them. So growing up for me was always in the kitchen with either my grands or we call them my nines, which is Welsh for grand. And, and my, and my mum uh, baking or just cooking and just being involved in that sort of environment, which was, you know, really important. But then on the, on the flip side, you know, my, my grandfather's would be farming the land so you understand more around you know produce and, and and livestock and understand them and respect them more um so it was um you know it was, it was a good upbringing and then we we moved a little bit um slightly more urbanized but not very much more urbanized so we uh we moved to um to Wrexham and then we we moved a little bit later just down the road to a, a small small holding and um you know, we we grew up with chickens and my mum had horses and stuff uh, and land around us, but also around the farming community as well. So farming was really like intrinsic in terms of our upbringing and just understanding understanding food better. Um, yeah. Do you think that's where there's love for nature and uh, foraging and obviously growing your own uh, yeah. produce has come from? Do you think that's influenced it quite a bit? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've always... It's really difficult because obviously we live in in a city centre, uh, and it's really difficult to actually you know grow your own stuff. But we we make it work, uh, and I think it's really nice that you can just go out um, and pick something uh, and have it really fresh. Uh, and it's so nice that you've nurtured and grown that uh, yourself. Uh, I think that's a real something real positive. Um, so we're looking at this moment in time and moving a little bit more into a suburb uh, and having a, a big, bigger garden. Uh, and, you know, the, the bit for me is I wanted it's going to be a kitchen garden. This is what I want. Um, okay. um, whether it's from produce to having a space for proper alfresco dining, because I think it's lovely being outdoors and enjoying that environment and um and maximizing what we can have particularly if it's a nice sunny day which it's not in, in manchester anymore <laughs> uh, it started off quite sunny here but it's uh, <laughs> it's gone now <laughs> yeah, it's gone yeah that was it um 
Paul, when you were doing the critics round, uh, yeah. obviously cooking for Simon Wood, uh, that I, that that moment kind of sticks out to me yeah. quite vividly because uh, normally everyone's kind of in a rush and feeling the pressure quite a lot, but you came in and just looked at Simon, pointed at him, and you're my hero. Yeah. Uh, uh, where does that? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh... So we obviously get interviewed every day uh, when we have the blue screen behind us. And um, one of the producers asked me the question, who do you want to cut for? And I said, Simon Wood. I've been a fan of Simon since, um, you know, he, he obviously won. Uh, I've been to his restaurant a few times. And I went, Simon Wood's the person. And uh, he, like the producer wasn't giving anything away, whether it was. We didn't know who we were cooking for until we turned up in that room. Okay. And... Um, Walking in with the starters, I God, I remember this. So, so obviously it was that classic line of uh, um, uh, "You're my hero," uh, and actually the way that that came around was um, the producer told all three, uh, all three of the past winners that um, that I was a fan. So Ping went as I walked in, went, "Oi, oi I think there's a fanboy here." <laughs> so so that's where you're my hero simon came from and actually at that point it looked like i walked through the door properly i actually got the wrong door <laughs> i was uh, not embarrassed but i was like in a bit of shock i actually got the wrong door initially i was like ah damn it <laughs> so uh yes it was quite an experience uh and you know it it, it I I I talked to Simon at this moment in time, and and actually we had quite a bit of banter, which was quite fun around the hero sort of comment, which is which is really good. Um, so uh, so yeah, no, it was it was a pleasure to cook for them all, uh, and just you know we didn't know we don't you don't get to know the feedback that they give until it airs. Oh, okay. So for me to have that feedback was really good, but it's like four months later. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> And the and the thing when we did the restaurant service in well both the RBL but also when we did it for the the past contestants who had gone on to the food industry we didn't know any feedback we hadn't had any feedback so and we didn't actually know in the restaurant service when it was in the MasterChef kitchen who we actually cooked for oh, okay so, so it was it was a shock when that airs and you go oh my god it's this person it's that person and it, and you know it's just it was a it was a, a an eye opening experience. That must be a real roller coaster because, uh, like you said at the start, like you've done the competition about four months ago, and then yeah. hearing it all back about four months later, it must yeah. kind of bring it back quite, it, quite it heavily. Really does. It really does. It's uh, you sort of. So I probably went into after MasterChef finished. I probably went into a bit of a lull, and then you ramp back up, ready for it to be aired. Uh, and then you go back into a little bit of a lull again and you know things are starting to pick up again you know there's there's stuff that is happening and um and looking at you know what can i do in terms of the platform i've been given to now move on i i'm still going to be the marketing uh, manager from salford uh in my current position i'm still going to be that um but you know an area that i'm looking to explore is is it's private dining, um, but on my terms. So it'll be at the weekends, and because I I can do that. It's 
you know, you can, you've got a platform now that you can utilize. It's up to you how to utilize it. You know, you're yeah. not given a, you're not given a silver spoon from, from MasterChef. It is, you know, this is the opportunity and you have to make it, make it your opportunity. Um, so that's the area I'm looking at is, is sort of the private dining and some collaborations as well. So, and I may look at um, doing some, um, even though I don't want to be in a professional kitchen as a as a career, um, I may do some, look at maybe some internships in terms of just understanding food a little bit more in terms of a professional setting, because it is totally different than cooking at home. Um, and just making sure that I can elevate dishes and understand a little bit more around cookery uh, and develop as a person as well. That's Yeah, that's... Uh... That's actually amazing because that that was actually going to be my <laughs> kind of next question. Are you still going to uh, be the marketing manager, or are you going to venture yeah. out into into the world of cuisine? Uh, so I'm in hospitality anyway. So uh, I work for a beer company. So um, I'm already in hospitality. Okay. So for me, uh, you know, I'm already within the industry in in effect, um, whether it be drink um, rather than food, but. No, I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna stay doing what I do. Um, I I love who I work for, and uh, my chef's been a great experience. But at this moment in time, I will dip my toe in terms of private dining and see how that develops. That's uh, that's exciting, and uh, I wish you all the best in that. Thank you. Uh, I realise that we're kind of uh, coming to a bit of a close. Um, have you got any advice for people that are thinking about entering or future contestants? Yeah. Um, because like you said, um, it's an opportunity for people who are passionate about food to push themselves. And maybe some people might be feeling a bit anxious or, you know, yeah. confused about uh, what to do. So so I think um, if like me, you felt maybe you wanted to push yourself and you wanted um, to push yourself to that next level, but also have an awesome experience. And it's not all about doing the cooking. It's about the actual master chef experience and that's from contestants to the production team to the whole sort of razzmatazz around the event if it's something that you want to do i would definitely recommend it for me it's just giving me a little bit of a spark again um and a lot of people need that coming out of the pandemic um and i think it's just a great opportunity to test yourself be nervous if you want to be nervous and actually people perform under sort of stress and nerves be, be nervous it should you should be nervous it's an it's a you know you're you, you are on national television you should be nervous but remember master chef it not what it is a competition but master chef's never going to show you up it's not that type of program um and there's a lot of help and and guidance out there in terms of support um so you do have a big support team behind you um and that could be from you know there's um mental health people within MasterChef. There's uh, other support functions that actually help you in terms of in terms of coping through the process, because it is a surreal process. It's it's taking you out of that comfort zone. And when you first go into the kitchen, you go, what have I done? What have I done? But you soon get into it and you still soon love it. It's a great experience. Um, I would recommend it, but make sure that people, you know, have their eyes wide open. It takes a lot of time. Uh, a lot of effort, uh, quite a bit of stress. You probably have a lot of sleepless nights, but it's great. Love it. So it uh, sounds exciting. Um, and I'm, I think you're probably going to be seeing 
uh, more and more tougher tougher years as we move forward in the competition. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, the caliber of cook cooking, you know, is always increasing, and good. That's what we need um, because we want the future Simon Woods and the future Pink Coombs or the future Eddie Scotts. That's what we want. We want these great chefs to come out of this. Yeah, br- uh, brilliant. I realised that we've kind of drawn to a close now. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it no means a lot. It's the no first time I've uh, went outside my friendship group. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so it's been amazing talking to you. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much. No problem, Alan. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for your time, Jan. No, no problem. You take care, buddy. Thank you for listening, guys.